You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Let's get into it, Graham. As I do with all my guests that I've interviewed on the podcast, I'd like to take them back to when they first got started into cricket. And it's been very fascinating listening to people's memories on how they got it, how they got started in cricket. So, Graham, let's go back to the very beginning. Growing up in Adelaide, what are your memories of playing cricket and who were some of your cricketing idols growing up? Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, question to, to reflect back, isn't it, on those very early days. I actually remember the, the, the our next door neighbours had a very large garage wall and um, I spent hours and hours and hours um, bowling balls against that wall and hitting the ball back and then sitting around at night and creating scorecards of test matches that I would play and then, yeah, annoying my dad when he'd come home from work. So they, they were the early, early memories. I, I can't remember not um running around with a the ball and a bat i, I can remember th- practicing fielding by throwing a ball against the back step hitting the top of the step and it's pinging up over the the uh, the main door which had um stained glass in it and smashing it while my mother was standing underneath it so um yeah er- early memories were, were very much about playing cricket and then playing with the local kids at the oval and and those sort of things. And then, yeah, probably first school game was uh, probably about 10 or 11, I guess, when I played my first game for a school. Yeah, uh, that, I think everyone can relate to that, being in the backyard and playing cricket like that. I can. Um, I used to be in the backyard for hours and wouldn't go in until it went dark um, yeah. in the evening. So, you know, that's what sport does and cricket does as well. It just hooks you, doesn't it? And It, it does. It comes in the I... session. It does hook you, and I think, as you say, it, it, you also get hooked by the personalities. You know, the, you just asked about those, you know, who do I recall? I mean, growing up, the first, oh, boy, I'm going to date myself here, the, the first test match my dad took me to was uh, in the 1960s, um, South Africa playing Australia at Adelaide Oval, and uh, Graham Pollock made 180, and Eddie Barlow made 200, and um, Australia got um, completely blown away by, by a very good South African team. Um, but I also used to spend a lot of time down at Adelaide Oval, um, yeah, watching Les Favell and Ian Chappell and um, Gary Sobers was was playing for South Australia at that time. Um, Jeff Hammond um, was was the sort of um, yeah the, the sort of tearaway young fast bowler at that stage. Um, and then I guess yeah I guess through the sort of teenage years, people like Dennis Lilly started to come into to the fore, um, and Australia sort of ended a period. I mean, just as I suppose I was sort of heading towards um, secondary school and then um, into club cricket. Um, that's when Australia were really strong. So the, the Thompsons and the Lilies of this world were were dominating and the Chapels and Doug Walters and players like that. So great era for cricket and great personalities. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially Lily Thompson, uh, Rob yeah. Marsh, the Chapel brothers. Um, yep. Yeah, it was just a great Australian team um, in the 70s and uh, early 80s. Um, so, Graham, you finally got the call up to play for South Australia in 1978-79 to make your List A debut. Who told you the news that you were in the team and what are your memories from that day? I know it's a long way back, but can you recall what, what you yeah, can back remember? In, uh, back in those days, you used to pick up the newspaper and find out. Um, you used to, used to find out you've been dropped exactly the same way. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
and that list A game, I didn't play Shield game for a couple of years, but the um, that was a one day game that we played in Brisbane. We hadn't uh, we hadn't played a match on turf because um, of the weather in South Australia, and we went up to the Gabba and faced Jeff Thompson, who was bowling a million miles an hour on the Gabba, which at that stage still had the dog track around it. I think we were bowled out for about 120, and um, it was pre helmets, so uh, yeah, quite an. <laughs> an experience but uh yeah i think it, it it's probably um i suppose just one of those sort of reminders that um that there's quite a big step up from one level to another and particularly at the start of a season as well when you're facing sort of one of the best fast bowlers in the world so uh, but but yeah all great experiences yeah yeah absolutely um and and then as you said, you make your first uh, first class debut for South Australia a few years after in 1981-82. Um, what are your memories from that day when you made your first class debut? Uh, yeah, I played uh, played in Western Australia. Um, was playing for South Australia against Western Australia. Um, yeah, I, from a personal point of view, it was just amazing. You know, just uh, something that I had, I guess, on the list of goals that I absolutely wanted to achieve uh, as a kid was to play first class cricket and I suppose yeah to me it was you needed to play a four-day game to to really be playing first class cricket I played a few one days and there were no ten, no t20s in those days um and yeah look I, I guess John Inverarity gave me some great advice before the game he just said, look, just just remember that you yeah you just you're a good club cricketer that's why you got picked um and everybody else you're playing against is a good club cricketer um, it was good advice because I think there were only two players in the Western Australian team that hadn't played for Australia in the previous 12 months. So the the bowling line, I think, was Alderman, Lilly, um, Malone, Clark or something. And then the batting lineup was um, Hughes and Wood and Laird and Sargent and Marsh and so on. So, um, but yeah, I had, I had a good day. I, I got five for in the, uh, in the first innings and, um, uh, and, um, yeah, it was just a really amazing experience to, to to take wickets in your first game and realise that the stuff that worked in district cricket um, actually works at that level as well. The, if you bowl an outswinger and it pitches in the right spot and it goes late, um, the best batsman nick it. And the good thing is the best slip fielders catch it too. So I think yeah. one advantage of first-class cricket, the guys can catch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's very important. Everyone's got to capitalize on those half chances and take take their catches as the old saying goes and create catches with matches it's a cliche but it's true yeah well i mean i was pretty fortunate those days we had um i think we had david hooks jeff crow and wayne phillips with a sort of uh, slippers and they were pretty damn good so um yeah you didn't you didn't see catches get dropped too often and uh, kevin wright was our keeper and right he was very good uh, very very good keeper as well so um yes i know but yeah it was it was very um yeah, it was it was fantastic to just have that opportunity and uh, and also just I guess that sense of yeah I can play at this level that was a uh, a nice um, reminder which is what Invis had basically said at the start. Yeah, um, so then you decided to retire from cricket after playing fourteen first class matches and five list A matches to go and study psychology. So, Graham, why did you retire from cricket and why did you go down the psychology route? Um, well, the, I had studied psych at uni and in order to finish off my um, qualifications, I needed to get 
workplace experience and you, you go through a super well, in those days you'd go through a two-year supervision program so you needed to commit pretty strongly um i'd been offered a role with um, coopers and Mybrand, who was an international management consulting firm to work in their organizational psychology area and it was just impossible to try and play um first class cricket and do the sort of training that was required and also to um to, to do to do that so so i actually retired twice um i actually retired i played all played all the games in the year we won the sheffield chill which was 82. i retired after that to do the coopers and Lybrand bit the partners in charge at coopers and Lybrand then at the end of the following year then said look we're happy for you to go back and um uh, and play state cricket and i remember sort of saying to them well <laughs> that's 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 an interesting thought but somebody did actually have to pick me again um, so I did actually make myself available a game in, I think it was the 83, 84, 84, 85, 84, 85 season, I think. And, um, uh, I got picked in the second half of the season and played each of the games in the second half. And then we won the one day that the McDonald's, what was then called the McDonald's cup. Uh, but as it, as fate would have it, I got, I had got registered as a psychologist by that stage. And I got an offer from the South Australian sports Institute, which basically said, would you like to help us set up a sports psychology unit at the Institute of Sport. It meant leaving the management consulting area, but it also required that I gave up cricket. So I then retired again. So I didn't just retire once after 14 games, I retired twice. So, <laughs> hmm. but yeah, zero regrets. It was uh, absolutely the best thing to do to then have a yeah, remarkable opportunity over the last sort of 35, 40 years to work with yeah, some of the best athletes on the planet and um, and also some of the sort of large corporations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Graham, everyone has mentors that they look up to and ask for advice and guidance throughout their life and mm. anything really. Um, who were some of your mentors in your cricketing career and in your career as a psychologist? Anyone you've considered to be a, a mentor? Uh, I mean, probably the person who had the greatest shaping influence on me was Chester Bennett. Um, he was a um, initially a teacher at Prince Alfred College, and he'd coached the PAC First Eleven with a remarkable, I mean, just a ridiculous number of um, first-class cricketers that came out of the program that he looked after there. I mean, the, the last, no, I think it might have been the, I, I think I played three years in the First Eleven. There was the first year I played there. Of that, of the first seven batters in the t in the team, six of us went on and played first class cricket. So you can imagine we didn't lose too many games. Um, but Chester um, was just a, a wonderful gentleman, just an absolute gentleman, um, a brilliant teacher, just one of those coaches who was very gentle, very quiet, um, but very uh, clear. And I just, he just got the best out of me. I mean, including identifying that me as a batsman and a rather poor off-break bowler at about age 14. Um, and I was mucking around the nets one day um, and he just came over and he said, I want you to bowl that stuff, get rid of the, get rid of the, um, get rid of the spin. And it was me bowling these swinging deliveries. I think, I can't remember, it was, I either took six for four and four for two or four for two and six for four in the next two weeks. And yeah, within two years, I was opening the bowling for the South Australian under-19s and, uh, so that was a massive breakthrough. But then Chester ultimately went on and coached um, Adelaide University. And so I had the opportunity to captain Adelaide Uni uh, while he was the coach there as well. So he just had a massive influence on me in, in so many ways. Um, and I think once I got into playing first-class cricket, uh, well, David Hooks was the same age as me and we played under-19s together. I think when 
when Hooksy was appointed as state captain, um, you know, I was an extremely strong supporter of him being put into that role. And um, I think his sort of confidence and um, um, I think that played a really important role. I think John Inverarity uh, was a, a wonderful sort of um, guide through through that sort of era as well. Um, and then I suppose extending on in the sports psychology area, and I was very fortunate when I first started, um, Jeff Bond, who was, who'd set up the sports psych unit at the, at the Institute of Sport, uh, was there. And Jeff was uh, Jeff and uh, John Crampton, who was at New South Wales, were always wonderful sort of um, guides and reference points to me when I was involved with um, well, the Sports Institute initially and ultimately with the Olympic team. Um, and yeah, and I guess just to have continued working in the corporate area, I've just, I mean, I've been really fortunate to work with some incredible you know, chief executives of corporations and vice chancellors of universities and so on. So I, I feel myself incredibly fortunate to have learned a lot more from my clients than they've learned from me. So, um, yeah, very grateful for a lot of opportunities and some really uh, wonderful people that have helped to mentor me through that. Absolutely. Um, when you reflect on your cricketing career and your psychology career, what are you most proud of the most and do you have any regrets? Uh, the regret would be that I never made a century and I terribly underperformed as a batsman. I made a couple of 90s and made a few 50s in shield cricket, but really never focused on my batting as well as I should have because back to first 11, I used to win both batting and bowling trophies at that stage. So it was probably, I was probably a better batter than I was a bowler. Um, but uh, most proud of, oh, look, I think the fact that I've played first-class cricket because um, that's what I wanted to set about to do. Um, I was very proud of the decision that I made to then focus on my career um, as a psych um, and also the way I went about doing that, which I've been able to do that while also having a family and making sure that the sort of balance of that was um, how I wanted it to be. So, um, um yeah, and I think there's a few other things from a career perspective that um, yeah, a couple of the books that I've written that I'm um, particularly um, proud of as well. But I guess there's maybe another way of putting it that there's nothing I've done that I'm ashamed of. <laughs> I um, feel that, uh, yeah, I've given it my best shot. Yeah, that's all you can do in life. Um, just give it a crack and who knows what you can achieve. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm literally just an hour ago was doing some counselling work with a, an executive in an Australian organisation that had been doing it pretty tough through the COVID era. We're just having exactly that conversation with her around just just helping her to just appreciate who she is and trying to be the best that she can be in her own unique way, uh, rather than trying to necessarily follow uh, what others think she should do or might want to do and yeah that doesn't mean you don't take on the perspectives of others but I think um yeah it's that ability to be yourself I think is such an important point and you know one I know we'll talk about from the cricket perspective as well that you know you don't want cricketers that are copying everybody else you want them to to learn from others but to bring it into their game and, and, and how they operate yeah. Hi everyone, hope you enjoyed our cricket discussion with former first class cricketer and sports psychologist Graham Winter. If you want to improve and get better as a cricketer, I highly recommend reading Graham's book, Mindful Cricket. After reading the book myself, I learnt loads about the mental side of cricket and how by having the right mindset can help you to be the best cricketer you can possibly be. Head over to Mindful Cricket to get a copy of the book, link to Mindful Cricket website, 
is in the description.